This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. FileMaker developers are always learning. They're learning not just new techniques or best practices, but they're learning about their system. They learn how what they built previously holds up in the present. They learn whether or not they need to rebuild their entire app. Jesse Roberts is currently learning these very things. While not beating himself up over the things he did many years ago, he's finding that his app could use a version upgrade. Jesse sits with me today to talk about when to rebuild an app. He gives us great advice on things to look for when trying to answer this question, what problems to expect, and overall, how to be more tolerant of your past self. And just for fun, we talk a little bit about JavaScript. This episode of the Context Podcast is brought to you by Otto and the Geist Interactive team. We'll talk more about those later in the episode. And now, when to rebuild your app. Welcome, Jesse, to the Context Podcast. How are you today? I am great, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, it's good to uh, to, to get all sorts of guests here. Uh, we we talk with people from Claris. We talk from people with with uh, people who have been DevCon speakers, and it's really good to talk with. You're an in-house developer, right? I am. I, uh, yeah. I, I've, I've been doing this now for a little bit and, uh, and having some fun, that's for sure. Well, tell us, uh, tell us about yourself. How long have you been in FileMaker? What, 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 what company do you work for, if you can say, and, and just about your FileMaker experience so far? Sure. So I guess the, uh, the, the easy way to describe this is that I came to FileMaker, I guess, in version 11 um, as a citizen developer, and I was trying to essentially help my wife get her life back. And she had just started a business that um, was very heavily paper-based and was drowning pretty quickly in triple keying of events with Google and with Excel spreadsheets, and it was a nightmare. So I got into FileMaker then to try and help her get her life back, and in so doing, we kind of stumbled on an idea for, for an app, basically, to, to run her business, and over the last eight or nine years now, it has developed into something really pretty interesting and pretty powerful. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny, I, I enjoy my, my time in kind of the FileMaker world now. I was, a, uh, I was a philosophy major in college, and I played professional soccer for a few years. And, and so now when my friends are, you know, asking me what I do, and I, I tell them I'm a, a software developer, there's kind of that, that pause and sideways look. Um, but it's been great because FileMaker's really kind of opened the world up for for me to solve problems and to be um, kind of more of the idea guy, um, but it's also helped my wife scale her business in a way that we never thought possible. You mentioned that you um, built an app for your wife's business um, to eliminate problems. How did you come across FileMaker as the solution? Yeah, so uh, a friend of mine, I was kind of describing the problem to him, and you know, at the time I was working in private schools, and we all had you know Microsoft Access sitting on our on our computers, and it just seemed to be not the right way to approach the problem. And I knew we needed some sort of database to manage this, and I talked mm-hmm. to a friend of mine who was who was doing work in the software world, and he said you know, this really sounds like something that you might want to look at FileMaker to do. And um, I had used it once previously, about four or five years previous, I guess before this, 
Um, one of the soccer camps I worked for had a FileMaker database that ran their registration system. So I used it, but I never really understood much about how things worked or how it ran. And once I got a little bit under the hood and got to, to get some, you know, some basic tables going and some relationships going, it just started to, to really cook with gas from there. That's really nice that you um, you found it through friends and that that it, you as you looked at it you realized this could really help with your wife's business. What what specifically the fact that you could develop it that you could actually build this in the FileMaker platform or was it um, certain features of the FileMaker platform that that kind of convinced you to use FileMaker? Um, it's funny. The, what's really evolved with, with my wife and I, the way that we work together is um, we work really well kind of sitting around usually in, in, a, in a bar at night somewhere. Um, because by the way, the app is for the liquor industry. So not that we're, okay. we're degenerates or anything, but you know, that's typically what we're doing. <laughs> um, and what, what, what kind of came across pretty quickly is that she would say something like, hey, I need a button that does, or I need a feature that does. And we'd sketch it out on, an, on a cocktail napkin. And even when I was just learning the system, I could make what she wanted happen really quickly. And that was really compelling. And that kind of got the, the ball rolling and really con kind of convinced us that this really was the platform that we really wanted to stay with because of the flexibility and you know the ability for, for a guy like me with no actual at the time, no computer experience at all to be able to get in and make make something happen and 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 keep the business not just working but working well. I assume back in your when you first started, um, I actually don't know how long the phrase has been around, but this uh, whole idea that FileMaker is a low code or no code mm -hmm. platform. What do you think about that? Were you doing less coding, more coding? How were you feeling yeah, <laughs> as you were diving into it? When, when I first started. Um, you know, I understood the idea of scripts because I'd, I'd done some macros in Excel. So it wasn't like that was completely foreign, that concept and doing some calculations were, were that was relatively low hanging fruit. Um, when I really started to, to, to really dive in and really love the platform, I think it was, it's kind of the idea of low code that you can throw together a couple script steps pretty quickly. And then you can, you can actually make something happen that, you couldn't just natively do. And that, I mean, so for me, the, the low code piece was really nice. Um, I, I, I joke that I, I know en enough, uh, enough of probably 500 different languages to be functional illiterate in all of them. Um, but I know enough that once I can get something started, it, it, it works out. Um, and the low code piece of, of FileMaker really was, was helpful for us. Today's episode is brought to you by Otto. When you work in a development environment that involves a dev and production server, you need to deploy the files in a logical and consistent and secure manner. And it's tough to do this manually. Though we as developers have done it for many years, you no longer have to. Otto does all the deployment work automatically. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Auto and its accompanying auto migrator file allows you to deploy a feature-rich file to the production environment with a couple clicks of a button. Whether scheduled or on the fly, these migrations happen with small files and even very large files. Auto works this way. It first backs up the production file and then closes it. 
It clones the developer version and then transfers the dev version to the production server. Then it performs a data migration and finally it opens up the new production file. With Auto Migrator 2.0 and Auto 2.43, the latest versions, you can upload one file to multiple servers at one time. Auto, automatic server to server file migration. Today's episode is brought to you by the Geist Interactive team. Do you need to rebuild your app or do you need to simply add more features to your system? Do you need connections to APIs or need to build in transactions? Well, let us at Geist Interactive help you with all of that. Our highly trained and experienced developers can handle anything you need from connecting to an API to adding an entire module to your app. We can rebuild your app from scratch or we can help you find the performance issues and suggest changes. We can even be a guide along your development path, whether through coaching or shared coding, we can work with you to add features or tune up your system. Reach out to us at geistinteractive.com support and engage with us to help you rebuild your app or make it better. Okay, and uh, you mentioned again that it, it kind of has, has helped your wife's business. Um, can you describe a little bit of what it does? Yeah, absolutely. What the app does? Yeah, so the, the app is called Stiletto. And what it does is basically run every aspect of her business. Now, what's, what's great is it started as essentially kind of five buttons that kind of managed, um, you know, people working in the field, working uh, at different events for uh, the wine and spirits industry in Maryland. So we had, you know, a venues table, we had a contractor's table, we had an event records table, which was essentially a joint table. Um, and that was it to start with. And um, so now over time, that app has scaled. So we are now, the app does all of her payroll and there's a, a great automation story with that. The app does uh, all the reporting for the state of Maryland uh, in terms of um, kicking out the required reports for them. It does um, all the scheduling. It does all of the, uh, um, like I said, it does all the payroll and also does all the key performance indicators to let everyone know how the business is doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's really scaled over time from just being this little, like I said, a five button app to now a very robust, basically enterprise level software package. Do you uh, use it to connect to other places, so, uh, other services? Yeah, so that's that's been kind of the, the real shift. So over the past basically three years, I've transitioned from what I would call the citizen developer to much more, and I, I'm not going to use the word professional because I would, I, I think I'm always learning, um, but I've transitioned more to a full-time FileMaker developer. And with that, I've been able to, um, to look at other ways that we can connect the app to outside services. So the API world and the expansion of that has been positively massive for us. So, you know, we use uh, an external application for people to apply to work with the company. That all happens through API and, and the data just passes directly into Stiletto very seamlessly. Uh, we've connected Slack uh, inside the company and that all works seamlessly with Stiletto. Um, we're doing some work with various weather API calls. Um, so it's, it's really kind of opened up the solution to be you know, not just powerful, but to be a real business insight solution. And that's, that's been fantastic. This is what I imagine you did. You, you, you realized you needed an application process and you wanted the data to flow 
to your system, you could have chosen to build that application in FileMaker and deploy it via WebDirect, right? Mm -hmm. But you you found a service that handles application forms and submission of data, and then you're just calling to that service from FileMaker. Is that correct? That's it. And so yeah. you're not a lot. You're not wasting your time building that in FileMaker because somebody else has already built that, right? And then that's the best part of the ecosystem is that if if somebody's done it better and somebody's already had the idea and done all of that heavy lifting and made it and made it relatively easy to plug into, it just it makes sense. Um, and that's the beauty of the platform right now is that you you have the ability to be tied into all of these other great ecosystems where somebody has done some fantastic work to build a platform and now it just works. So how many um, systems do you say you connect to other, other services? Uh, at this point, we've got six different APIs connected. That includes, you know, SMS, like with Twilio. Um, that includes a weather call. It includes Slack. Um, good grief. It, it, it's starting to really kind of to get interesting with all the different you can add. Uh, Okay. Do you and do you find that process as a I would counter by saying you're a professional developer? Would uh, do you find that process easy easier as you go? Yeah. It, is it easy to is it easy to connect to an API nowadays? Yeah, it, it, it's funny. It used to be something that would really kind of be daunt, you know daunting for me to look at you know, look at API docs and figure out what I was trying to do. And the more you do it, the more um, the more readable it gets. And I would also say that by paying more attention to JSON uh, and understanding what that meant um, has really opened my eyes. I mean, when, when that feature came out in 16, my initial thought was, eh, okay, that, that doesn't that doesn't excite me. And now I can't live without it. It's it's <laughs> it's part of my my daily routine. Um, and I, I joke with friends that I, I kind of, I, I dream in semicolons now. Yeah. Yep. It's just, it's, it's crazy to, 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 you know, semicolons and curly braces is what I call it. <laughs> so it's funny, like how that's really become a part of my, my daily life in vernacular. One time I did a um, user group presentation and I wrote all my slides in, in JSON. <laughs> so it's definitely a part of my life yeah, as well. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Very good. Well, um, so the way I know you, Jesse, is you've contacted me um, after I've done some work in JavaScript here and there, and um, I, I presented at DevCon in 2018 and 19. I did a training day, and you contacted me, I forget, through my Slack channel, through the uh, FileMaker JavaScript Slack channel, and you were asking me about the JavaScript that I had done and, and just needing some some tips, right? Is that yeah. Is that our connection? That's, that's it. And, and I, you know, somebody who's worked in independent schools, I, I definitely, um, I kind of dialed into the fact that you were a teacher and I appreciated the way that you approach the, the teaching of, of JavaScript to people because it can be daunting to learn a new language. Um, and, I, you know, you really made it easy for me to kind of get my head around. And what I was doing is looking for other ways to, to present some UI elements in our, in our solution. Um, FileMaker does do charts. They, they do them adequately, but it's not always the right solution and it's not always um, easy to present the data that you want when and how you want it. And, and your approach with JavaScript really kind of opened my eyes up to some ways to build some, some more uh, interactive dashboards. And, and I did that for my team in, in Stiletto and 
they love the results and it just really got me got me energized again i think and really i mean that was really kind of the kickoff of my my json experience and having to build and, and understand the way that the um the data is going to get consumed um but that was it and it's been it's been a lot of fun kind of since so before we get into the main topic i wanted to know what are you uh doing in in javascript now what have you got built in your app yeah, so right now there's a there's a KPI dashboard that that I built that allows everyone in the company to see kind of exactly where they are, um, and it does it really fast as opposed to doing a complex kind of find and sort routine that would be typical FileMaker, um, and that display is super helpful for our field managers to be able to get in, see where they are in terms of their their shifting requirements, and, you know, basically staffing events, that sort of thing, how they're doing on their billing packages, how we're doing on hiring goals, how we're doing on revenue goals, that sort of thing, and, and basically using JavaScript to run all of that. The other thing that I, I really enjoyed doing is that you, you gave me access to a, uh, a pivot table JavaScript library, which was really fantastic. And that really helped uh, helps us from a reporting standpoint because when you know with with my wife's company there are at any time sixty or seventy different liquor companies that she works with, <clears throat> and to be able to see how they're doing month over month and look at their trends is a really um, can be a really difficult thing to do in Native FileMaker, and to be able to do that in a pivot table inside the platform is a godsend. Nice. Well, I'm, I must say I'm pretty happy about that because you've you've picked up. Well, you've picked up APIs pretty easily and you've picked up JavaScript and, you know, you stared those two things full in the face and didn't back down, right? So, <laughs> well, and now, now it's easy to use. Both of those are easy to use. And both of those will continue to, uh, what, innovate your wife's company's app, connecting to other services, adding more features, working with the data better. It's... It's it's exciting what we can do, right? Well, and, and you know, I think it's really interesting. It, it used to be the case that there were times where I said, you know, she would ask a question of me, hey, could we do X? And my answer would be, I don't know. And the answer might be no. And now, in, in the past two or three years, my answer is always yes, and I'll figure it out. Um, we, in the, you know, in the liquor industry, most of those companies are using Salesforce. And four or five years ago, I wouldn't have had the skill set or the, even the idea of where to look to integrate pushing data back into Salesforce. And now that's something that not only can we do, but it's a differentiator for us as we position our company in the marketplace. So uh, Rose, Rosemary TG from from Claris International was on recently, mm -hmm. and she she and I talked about what FileMaker is, how it's positioning yourself, and she said something really interesting: how FileMaker is positioning itself. And she said something really interesting. She said that FileMaker is the place that you store your business logic, like what makes your business unique. So you're, you're pulling it from different places and you're using your business logic to connect the dots, to make it meaningful for you. So I, I commend you for uh, working with JavaScript and with APIs. But let's, uh, let's shift because uh, you contacted me. We, we were talking about other things and you mentioned that um, you were uh, thinking about rebuilding your app. Yeah. And uh, I'm really interested in that. Uh, at, at one point in, in one of the episodes here, I, 
I mentioned one time people should maybe think about rebuilding their app every five or so years. I have no data about when you should do it, but you actually mentioned you're thinking about doing that. And uh, so let's let's talk about that, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Is that a big topic to talk about? It is, it is a pressing topic to talk about for sure. <laughs> it's pressing. Okay. Well, one thing you, you mentioned uh, in our conversation was you worked with Todd maybe five years ago. That was before my time here. And even back then, he mentioned um, <laughs> you should consider rebuilding your app. So uh, five years ago, and it was it was noticed, and now you're you're thinking about it. What what prompted this need to uh, rebuild your app? Well, I think the 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 real driving force behind this is the fact that our solution has become vertical first and foremost. And there are other agencies like my wife's who use Stiletto around the United States. And that's, that's great, right? I mean, having a vertical app is a good thing. Um, what is great about FileMaker is that it's infinitely customizable. And at the same time, what's bad about FileMaker is that it, it's infinitely customizable. And once, for me, as I created the new version, I would create a new version for a client. And as soon as we shipped it, it was now different. And now it was a maintenance problem. So, so we have that kind of staring us in the face as, as one issue. The second issue, obviously, is data connectivity. And with the ability now to use data API, we can eliminate the need to have all of our files connected with the external data source question, right? And maintaining, you know, table occurrences and other people's files. Um, so we can use data API to do that. And that, that is obviously a pressing issue. Um, but third, I guess the, and the big thing, and it's something that I know Todd talks a lot about, and I listened to one of your, your episodes about this from a transaction standpoint, yeah, of course. is that, you know, the, the system is very, I mean, yes, it's complex in terms of the business logic. And I, I want to go back to something you said about business logic in a minute, but it's complex from that standpoint, but it's also very simple in the way that I built it because I didn't know any better. Right. So we, we have seen the whole record locking thing when people are accessing the, the app through WebDirect, right? That's a problem. And that's a, that's a problem of my architecture, obviously. But what's also happened over time, and this is a, if I were to, to, to sit down with any of the, the folks from Claris, you know, at, at the next, at, at Engage, not DevCon, right? Um, right? If I were to sit down with them, one of the things that I would, I would tell them is we, you've built this infinitely customizable platform that allows you to do all kinds of great and amazing things, which is awesome. And the downside is you can do all these great and amazing things, which over 10 years can actually choke your system out. So not knowing any better about unstored calculations and not knowing any better about the, the weight that uh, lots of conditional formatting can cause and having you know summary fields on, on layouts, you, you realize pretty quickly that your solution, which sort of ran fast at one point, now served over over WAN can be pretty painful to use sometimes. So it's now a matter of how can I make sure that the solution that we offer is um, not just fantastic, but it is up to speed with other platforms that are strictly web-based that have a, you know, kind of a, a singular look and feel to them. Um, and not only keep us competitive, but but keep us at a, at a cutting edge. So there's a lot of competing issues here. Uh, you, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's <laughs> let's talk about that. Right, right. Um, 
All right. First of all, you mentioned transactions, you mentioned unstored calcs, you mentioned conditional formatting, and you mentioned that when you first built it, it really, what you did worked for you, yeah. right? So, so there's quite a few things there. First of all, transactions. Do you wish you had known about transactions earlier in your development career? Yeah. Just as a general, like conceptual piece, you know, Todd and I talked about concepts and I specifically brought up transactions. I feel like it should be taught earlier in someone's career. Do you agree with that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Because I feel like, I feel like not only is it smart and safe from a development standpoint, but it's also something that a user would expect, right? Like if you, if, if, if you need to undo something or you, you cancel part of a, of a record change that, that things should just roll back, right? Instead of, oh, well, now you've got a record here and you've got an orphan over there and now we have to go do data cleanup, right? That's, that's not a good experience for anybody. And, and if, I think if I would have known more about that, I would have had a, a, much, uh, a much different um, build than I do right now. I agree with you. I, you know, realize that um, there are uh, many other databases that do transactions. It's part of the system and it's something that those developers learn about right from the beginning, but we, we don't necessarily learn that. So it's good to hear that, you know, you wish you had learned about that. The other stuff, conditional formatting calculations, I don't think it's on the same level as transactions, you know, sure. If we know about how calculations work and we know their their pitfalls and such, we can avoid them. But th it's a lot simpler to change those yeah. and turn that stuff into a script than it would be to rebuild systems for transactions or for other reasons, right? Well, and and I think and I think I, I use those those two things as an example just because what I didn't know, obviously, in terms of table width versus table depth definitely has has an impact as well okay and, and okay. that's an architecture thing and i use i use those pieces because from my perspective when i first started building if i could get it on a layout and make it look exactly how we thought it should look i did it not thinking about the impact that it would cause screen time for load or processing power any of those things so it's it's one of those things where I think at the time, and you know, Todd in his infinite wisdom kind of looked at it and said, "Hey, well, you, your your graph is kind of scary. We got to think about that because you've got a lot of stuff going on here, and, and mm -hmm. you might want to clean that up in a way." And and we've done that over time, but you know, again, a lot is 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 about what you learn over time, and then you end up with this gigantic solution that that has issues. What uh, what else did do you think Todd saw? five years ago, he saw maybe your relationship graph, maybe he saw that you weren't using transactions in a multi-user environment. Was there anything else that he mentioned? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot was about the unstored calculation. Okay. okay. That was really a, a big deal. And, and part of part of that, again, was it was about, you know, the citizen developer naivete about, well, if I can just put it in one table, I can do that because it's just, that's what you know from access, right? That's kind of the way it would work. And or at least the way I, I took it when I first started building it. And what Todd really kind of pushed me to think about was doing more tables that are more job specific, so to speak, you know, like, like building the right kind of, of table occurrence, or not table occurrence, building the right kind of table for a specific function, you know, and, and splitting things uh -huh. out because it's actually easier from a storage and from a relationship standpoint than having just one gigantic table with things in it. Um, 
but let's be clear. Your system works as it is right now for your wife and for the people who have purchased the vertical, right? Yeah. Uh, and now, you know, I want to be very clear. The system works and works great. The, the the flaws that I'm finding in it are are perhaps the you know I'm looking at 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 the the back end stuff that I, I wish was working you know a little bit better. So I don't I don't I don't mean to run the system down at all because it does work <laughs> it does work really well. But I'm also I'm also um, a realist in knowing that if I'm not improving it, that somebody else is developing something better today to beat me. So for sure, um, you know, from a from the soccer world, you know, if you're not if you're not training every day, the guy is going to the guy who, who wants to take your job is training. So I need to be I need to be thinking ahead in ways to make my systems better. Big picture. Um, and one of the things that Todd did, I think, is get me thinking about that. So the next time I do file new on anything, any project I'm doing, I have those thoughts in my head now, not wow, I can just make one big table and throw everything into it. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Well, let's 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 talk a little bit about that. What is your your plan for rebuilding your app? Uh, you mentioned it. It you you lay awake at night talk, thinking about this. So I'm sure you're writing down your plan as you drift off to sleep. Yeah. What's your <laughs> What are your thoughts? Well, I'm I'm very fortunate that I, I'm I'm I've been able to kind of enlist some help from people that I not only trust, but really believe in, in terms of their development power. And as a single, a single man shop, what I've learned is to know kind of to learn my lane, so to speak. Right. So I know if I'm going to, to rebuild the app, it's not something that I can do myself because it's taken me 10 years to get to this point. So mm. the first thing is I needed to make sure I had a good team that was willing to jump in and help me do that. And so I've got I've got some people in place. I've, I've got a, a fantastic support uh, team uh, with Proof Group with Ernest Coe and uh, Brian. We met specifically who are doing some work with me on this and thinking about the next stage of Stiletto and how that's going to work. But the plan that I've what we've put in place is basically two. It's twofold, right? It's one. It's making sure that everything we're doing right now is stable and not only stable but a great experience for our users, and then. Part two of that plan is the, the dreaded file new and thinking about what the future of not only the FileMaker platform, but of, of where technology is going and how we can harness all of those uh, emerging technologies to make our to make our application not just compelling, but to make it, you know, essentially like the, the Xerox of the industry, you know, the name that everyone knows. So from a planning standpoint, we're, we're basically looking at what works really well right now what things we want to be better, and what things we can find areas of scale and speed. And that's really mm -hmm. the starting point right now is, is let's, let's do a real objective system audit for, for the platform right now. And it's not necessarily the, you know, the UI components, like are we using a cart window mm -hmm. for some things or a, a pop-up window for others or popovers or whatever. Um, it's more about what things are working well in our platform that we don't necessarily have to rewrite because that part has been done well already. What, what things do we need to do to make sure that we can scale and that we can implement at scale? And um, that's really kind of the, the first priority. I like that you pointed out, you're not really focusing on the UI at, at the moment. I assume you'll you'll think about that at some point, but the, the key to what you're thinking about is the technology behind it, the the structure, the the processing behind uh, the UI. Can you give us some specifics of what you're planning on building in there? You mentioned 
you mentioned transactions a while back. So I assume you're going to implement a transactional model in your system. Yes. There, and there's a really exciting kind of thing that we've done over the past few years, which is create what I, I would call a sister application for Stiletto that is designed for use on the, what I'll call the supplier side of the liquor industry to allow them to essentially directly interact with the agencies at the local level. And the, the entire point now is to make sure this transactional model works in that data API connection so that there's a seamless connection, A, and that B, if there is a transaction that takes place that fails in any way, that there's not any catastrophic issue in either system. That's a big deal for us. <laughs> so we're really looking at this kind of as a, as a universal question as we, as we build this out to make sure that what we're doing plugs in both on, and that application is called Magnum, at the Magnum level as well as at the Stiletto level and make sure those transactions work and are clean and, and, and able to be followed by, by system administrators across the board. That's a big deal for us. Here at uh, Geist Interactive, we, we talk about a controller kind of thing where all your logic is actually in a separate file. Do you have plans around that? Is that in your head at the moment? Yeah. And, and so that's the really interesting thing is that these businesses, and this is the thing I wanted to circle back with you on, is that one of the, the folks that we've, we've shown Stiletto to in the, in the industry was really happy with what they've seen because they, and they, they got it pretty much right out of the box. They figured out that what we've built isn't, isn't a quote-unquote database, and I, I hate it when people use that word. Um, this, is, this is not a database. This is a, a solution of 10 years of best practices that are encapsulated in business processes. And what the goal is, is to have basically essential business logic and processes captured in one, in one table, or, or in, it'll probably end up being its own file that are able to be customized for each user. And that is, that's my, my real goal because, you know, in, in the liquor industry, laws are different in every state. So what's legal in Maryland is not legal in Virginia. And what's legal in Washington, D.C. isn't legal anywhere. You know, like it's, it's just really weird way that the, the system is, is built. So having this one size fits all platform is really difficult to do. But if you can, if we can build that into a logic file, um, that we can then customize based on permission sets and that sort of thing. That's a real holy grail uh, moment for us. So you would, at the very core, you would have three files, right? You would have a, a data file, a logic file, and a UI file. Yeah, and 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 that's that's kind of where we're where we're leaning, and and what I'm really interested in, obviously, with the transactional model, is to make sure that they're. There's no issues, you know, that we don't want there to be issues for the client. We don't want there to be either, you know, A, downtime or B, hey, your system doesn't work the way I want it to. I'm going to go look at somebody else's, right? We want to be able to keep that flexibility of FileMaker, but still make it easy to maintain from a system standpoint. What else do you plan on doing with this? Well, obviously, there's, there's a, a big half of this is that it needs to be able to be deployed mobile. It has to be able to be used in the field. For people to report their activities, you know, with 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 sales and, and marketing they're doing out out in various liquor stores or, or 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 restaurants or bars or whatever. So, the other part of this is is really the mobile game. Um, I'm excited to hear that Claris has kind of embraced Android in the roadmap. We don't know 
when, where, or what that will look like, but at least that's not, we're not getting kind of the, we don't care response anymore, which is good. And that definitely will help my user case because now we can, we can make sure we can deploy, you know, with, with FileMaker as opposed to having to rely on some sort of other web publishing instance of some sort, whether it's with using WebDirect or using, you know, CWP or something like that, we can actually do it with a native uh, a native SDK, which I'm excited about. Do you uh, are you excited about this? Uh, I know we're going to talk in, about some anticipated problems, but are you excited about rebuilding your app? Honestly, I am, and <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy because you think about trying to rebuild ten years of work inside of twelve months. But the way I look at it is, my skill set has developed in such a way that I I now. You know, my development speed is probably 10x or 12x what it was when I first started, which is great. I know that I've got some things already kind of pre-built, which is great, but I'm excited about making a better experience for our users. And that makes me really happy, right? Because at the end of the day, I want them to be really, I want them to be delighted to use to use Stiletto. I want them to be delighted to use the platform. That That is something that drives me. And, and you know, my, my wife laughs at me because I've, you know, when when you exhibit some ADD personality type stuff, you, it's always like, "What's new and shiny?" Like, I want to go work on that. Um, right. But this is more about, hey, how can I how can I now take the vision of what we started and now make it something even better? And that, to me, is a it's a problem. I like solving problems and challenges, but it's also something that I I know is going to end up being a really worthwhile project down the road. You mentioned that you're. Uh... Dev speed has increased ten or twelve fold, and it occurs to me that your people's d- development speed this far into a career increases in the speed in which you can do something, but also the techniques you're going to use. Right? You you know how to do simpler things. You can pull from established systems like our Carbon framework that has the controller file in it, if you want. And you can just like plop it in. You can grab the DB transactions from uh, Modular FileMaker and you can plop it into your system and it's working. It's ready to go. So you don't have to build any of that stuff, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, again, this community, I can't say enough about the community. It's, 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 it's not just, you know, how much you personally, you know, Jeremy, have, have given in terms of, of JavaScript. But, you know, I think all the way back to my very first DevCon when I, I just went to just see like, what, what is this all about? You know, like this, this is, this is a thing. People are going to get together and talk FileMaker. And I had, I, my mind was blown by what I, I saw at that first DevCon at the, the Fontainebleau in, in Miami. Like that was, that was a real world changing experience for me. And, you know, I remember sitting down with, with, with Doug, uh, looking at my app and he's saying, yeah, okay, you can do something with this. This is great. And, you know, Matt Navarre was really nice to me and, and, and talked me through some things and gave me some good advice. And, it was really a welcoming and open. And and what I would say about the entire community is everyone is great about ideas and idea sharing. And mm-hmm. I know now that if, if I need assistance with an idea, somebody really much smarter than me has already figured out a great way to do it. And I'm open to learning those things all the time. So I know that as I go to, to build this, you know, Stiletto 2, that I'm going to have all the resources, resources I need at my fingertips to help make that happen. What, uh, how far into the, the planning are you? Are you, uh, have you been able to identify all the areas that you're going to revamp and, and the, the 
the the modules or or structures that are going to take the place? Yeah. So um, if, if you could kind of see our our my offices here, we've we have a wall that's kind of dedicated with with gigantic post its um, that kind of has you know the 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 needs, the wants, and the things that we want to deprecate. So we started that planning process. We started talking about what tables that are just going to be able to to migrate and just move over and, and start, you know, because they've worked as they're supposed to. And then also looking at how we can manage any functionality pieces. So yeah, there's a plan that's kind of started formulating and, and you know, I've been talking to Ernest a little bit, Ernest Coe, and, and we're, we're doing some, some architecture conversation as well to make sure that the things that I am thinking about from a build standpoint make sense from a feed standpoint, and that I don't, I don't do anything stupid that would choke the system down and, and it's funny, I, I've, I've done a lot of, you know, watching a YouTube and some things like that. And, and I've really changed the way that I store um, summaries now and changed the way I, I do calculations and not, not using a calculated field to do something I could do in a script. And that's made such a big difference. So it's, it's things like that. Those are definitely part of the, the planning stages for me. What, uh, what problems do you, do you think you're going to encounter in this process? Um, so uh, what's funny, and, and my wife will tell you, would, would say the same thing. We've, we've kind of lived in this world of the unintended consequence. You know, you, you think you have a fix to a problem and realize, oh, oh crap, that affected like three other, other tables and records down the line. So you have to think about it really clearly. The problems that I really see coming up are, are just based around scale. I'm cognizant of the fact that scale is something that you you kind of dream about and then when it happens and something breaks then you have that that kind of oh crap moment what did i just do and and how do i how do i fix this and make it work for everyone again so scale is the one is the one problem that i'm i am constantly kind of worried about from a you know a user standpoint from a data standpoint a storage standpoint you know i, I want to make sure that that's something that i'm I've always got kind of over my head as a guiding factor. Uh, you, you you talk about like, you know, a chain reaction of events. And it's my understanding, and I may cut this out. <laughs> right. It's my understanding, though, that like something like a carbon framework or having a controller logic file kind of uh, eliminates that problem because you're it well in transactions, too, because you're working in isolated modules mm -hmm you're only touching certain data and you're running everything all of your logic is through a script right so with with without a whole bunch of calculated fields you know one script really can't chain react and break 500 other things right because all you're doing is manipulating data inside of a script inside of a logic file right so and I think that's correct. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and it's see, and that's that's again a great example of the transition from citizen developer to full-time developer, right? So when I first started the build for Stiletto, when I first started kind of putting this together, not knowing anything about transactions, it was just about okay, I need to make a record do something. Let's make it. Let's make it happen. Okay, great. That calculation works. We move on, mm -hmm. and not thinking about the ramifications down the line of what that would look like. So that's definitely part of the conversation now. Uh, we talked about difficulties. Do you have any other difficulties that you're expecting? You know, it, did you cover it? It's funny when, when I think about about the word difficulties, right? So 
I don't think about difficulties from a technical standpoint. The, the biggest difficulty that I have right now um, when I think about the application is that I've, I've got one foot in, in dev and I have one foot in sales, right? So I'm always thinking about how are we positioning the product? How are we positioning why what we do is better? How are we positioning those things big picture, right? And for me, the difficulty will be making sure that we present and end up with a product that is as good or better than any um, web-based solution that's out there. And I know that's a really difficult, it's a really difficult kind of bar to, 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 to look at. But for me, it's important because that's, you know, you see all these, in our space anyway, there's a lot of kind of web-based solutions that are, that are really inexpensive. And I remember hearing somebody say that if you're going to have an inexpensive app, you shouldn't do it in FileMaker because it's really about business value. So I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm balancing, you know, and, and this is the difficulty, right? How do you balance giving a company tremendous business value at a price that not only makes sense, but that comes at a, uh, a development price that isn't crushing? To me, that's a really interesting problem to solve. Do you, uh, in this plan of yours, do you anticipate you're going to push certain processes that are done right now in FileMaker to other services? Um, potentially. Um, but I think for the most part, we're going to be as much native FileMaker as we can be. Um, you know, obviously API calls are, are a different animal, but we're going to do as much as we can inside of native um, just because it will keep our current users kind of happy without having to necessarily learn anything new, but it'd be easier for us to maintain on the back end. Well, like for an example, um, this, this is often brought up, but an email marketing thing, if you had that in FileMaker, mm -hmm. when you rebuild it, you may consider using something else to do that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, exactly to your point, like if we were to do any kind of email marketing thing, knowing that I can implement MailChimp super easy right now just using insert from url or i can use claris connect that that's awesome right knowing that that that, that extra set of tools is available um, i think for me is a really great safety net in knowing that if something comes along we can adapt and we can solve for that problem for any of our clients or actually in the industry that we can solve that i mean seeing Seeing Salesforce already included as a as kind of one of the, the the connector modules in Claris Connect is a big deal because that is something that none of our other competitors have the ability to do. I, I, that that's a that's for me that's like a, a big game changer. You mentioned that your um, clients users won't won't have to learn something new. The cool thing is you could really keep the U, the UI the same, the user interface the same, but send everything through Mailchimp from now on, right? Yeah. Um, and that, that's a specific example, but that's the cool thing about working with FileMaker is that the back end, no one knows what's happening. You do. The users don't. They don't know that it's happening in FileMaker or it's happening on the MailChimp servers, right? So um, they just want the, the email to go out, right, to their email list. Um, but that's what's, again, you could build it so that there's no UI change. There's no process change except for the process is happening outside of the FileMaker app. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I can think of a half a dozen examples of things that we would do that would make that happen. And I, I heard somebody use the um, 
the description of this entire kind of conversation as, as an iceberg and your UI is really the tip of the iceberg and all the fun stuff is what happens underwater and nobody really knows yeah. what's underwater. So you're just, they just see that, that there's a tip of an iceberg, but, but underneath is where all of the magic is happening and whether it's happening in FileMaker native or you're, you're using APIs and pushing stuff back and forth or, or you know, th that's, that's where the magic really happens. So how will you go about testing this with uh, your users? Are you going to build the whole thing and then have testing? Are you going to test it in stages? Do you have a plan about that at this point? Yeah. So at, at this point, we have to be kind of careful because of the seasonality of the business, right? So we have just come out of October, November, December, which in the liquor industry is is a, that's where all of the money is made during the year. So it's the busiest time of the year for any of, of our users. So they don't have time to learn anything new in OMD. It just doesn't happen. And just to give you some context, when my wife's business first started, she would probably do something like 150 events in December, which is, you know, a, a decent number. And, and when she you know first started, that was that was pretty life changing in terms of workload. Wait, are, are people doing events at nine o'clock in the morning with liquor? No, this is all like oh. four in the afternoon and, and like 11 o'clock at night. So obviously it's not just her, it's her people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's not doing 150 in a, in a day no, or whatever. No, no. So she's, there are people doing that many events all over her market, right? So it's a, it's a pretty busy time. And, and just for an example of scale here, her most recent December wrapped up where there were 1,300 events in the month. Oh, wow. So it's, it, there's a lot happening, right? So the great news is Stiletto can handle all of it. That's fantastic. And it allows her to scale and do all those things. And, and, you know, payroll now takes, I think it was 15 seconds to run the last payroll. And it used to take her three days. Now that we've automated it all in Stiletto, that's a, that's a big deal. How we're going to test all that obviously is to make sure that we do it in, in kind of the right timing cycle so that it doesn't affect day-to-day -day activities and that we don't have any issues with data from live data versus uh, test data. That's a, that's a big deal. So the, the real plan is, is hopefully in six months. So once we, we get to kind of the July, August timeframe, when things really start to ramp up, we'll have a good idea of what the environment is going to look and feel like, do some light testing and then go dark again until January of next year when we can do the full watch. It's, it's crazy kind of, and I get that it's crazy with our timing that we have to plan uh, our, you know, our, our build has to kind of, it doesn't have to be tied necessarily to the business timing, but it, it, it's important because I have to make sure that what we're doing in the live system isn't, isn't affected by our testing. So. so eventually you're going to bring the data from your current system into the new system. Yep. I assume you're thinking about that alongside of the development, right? Yeah, um, and and that's the that's the kick is that w w these things are kind of concurrent. We can't do them. Um, we can't kind of separate and 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 leave one while we're doing the other. Sure. Do you have a plan for your data migration? Um, yes, and yes and no. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> the yes is that we want to make sure that we have good historical information that gets kind of saved into the new system for a reporting standpoint and. But we also know that what we move over, we don't want to move over all of the junk and craft as well. So I need to, that's one of the kind of the, the, the pieces that we're going to be doing internally is making a, basically making like a, a collateral list of, of all the things that we have to migrate and all the things that we don't have to migrate just to make sure that we're 
we're not wasting time on on data that that doesn't have to go anywhere. Um, as we uh, finish up here, I I know that there are other people out there, in house developers, one man shops, one person shops that are considering this, but have put it off for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Give us, uh, give them three or four pieces of advice that they should think about, consider, you know, uh, as they, as they move forward with this and maybe an encouraging note to them <laughs> about moving forward. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, as I think about that question, I think about what I would basically tell myself if I could go back in time, things that I would tell myself. And, and the one is don't beat yourself up over something that you thought made sense when you built it X years ago or X months ago, right? There probably always was a reason. There probably always was a technique that made sense. And if it's not making sense now, that's okay, right? That's why we learn. That's why we get better. That's not really anything to, to, to beat yourself up over. Um, I think also the more you look at other people's work and the more ideas you get, the more you can see where you can find areas to finally focus the work that you are doing. So I think, you know, never stopping to look at other, at other work is really important. And then also always, I, I really believe in asking the question, you know, like what, what if, um, we, we spend a lot of time, like I said, my wife and I with the cocktail napkins and coming up with ideas. And I think it's important for us to do that as developers, to think about that as, you, as you're moving forward with, with, with building your app and building your, your business processes to, to not be stagnant and think about, yeah, the, the app is done, it's, it, it, it works, we're good. You need to always be thinking about that for the future. And, and when it comes down to, to, to biting the bullet and saying file new, I think one of the things that you that really kind of drove me to this point is understanding that competition as as it is in in, in the market for for whatever niche you're in or for whatever your your company's niche is that you're developing in competition is always there and reinventing yourself isn't always a bad thing and if you take a few minutes to think about solving a problem that you solved previously in a different way you may end up with a solution that is infinitely better than what you have now. So I'm, a, I'm just a big believer in kind of that self-reflection um, when it comes to looking at, at your file and your work. The other advice I'd say is, um, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it and you, you, bite, you eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? So yes, it's scary to think about rebuilding a 10-year-old solution, but I also know that at the end of the day, if we rebuild it and we rebuild it right, it could last a lot longer, scale a lot bigger, and provide a lot more users with great experiences. So it's, it's always the case of what's, what can we do that's going to be best for us long term. Very good words. I appreciate that. Um, I do. The very first thing you said, I think, should be said every single day. Don't beat yourself up over the decisions you made five years ago or whatever that's it's tough in a in a coding world especially when other people see your code and you know you're we've got a platform that's so that allows us to solve problems in many different ways mm-hmm. i i know in my early times in filemaker i was almost paralyzed with which way to go you know knowing that people are going to look at my code but you just make a choice and you move on. You, you you make a choice you pick a method you implement that and then if you need to revisit it later that doesn't mean you were a lousy developer five years ago. It just means things have changed, right? And 
it's okay to redo it. So yeah, very good. It, it, it's funny. I think about if you if you watch you know professional football at all, you see these guys who are constantly training and working, and after practice is over, they're out there and they're they're working and they're continuing to train. And I think as developers, we need to do that as well. Um, I, I think I heard you on one of the podcasts talking about how many demo and practice files you have in your system, and you, you, you to like eight hundred or something ridiculous like that, right? And and I thought and I thought about that for myself, like how many practice files do I have? Because those files are where you can test ideas, push your boundaries, and and figure out, hey, these are things that I actually I could implement in my system and make better for my users. And you know, big picture as I think about file new, I think file new will really end up being about using a lot of the old file news that I've done in practice and and translating that into what what the new version of stiletto is going to look like. Nice. All right. Well, Jesse, I appreciate it. Um, you mentioned that you've listened to our episodes. Um, I, you, I think you you pinged me one time through Slack channel. Said you were listening to them on Christmas Day. Is that right? On a or Christmas drive, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I drive. Uh, we, our family goes to uh, Ocean City, Maryland, every Christmas, and we. It's about a two and a half hour drive from our house, so it was perfect. I got a couple of episodes in, and you know, when the kids are in the back seat with their headsets on, that's a good opportunity for me to actually do some professional development. And even though I'm not yeah. talking FileMaker. I'm listening to FileMaker and that makes me have ideas. And it's so funny that while that one podcast was going on, I probably took four or five voice notes for things that I wanted to explore when I got a chance to get the oh, top nice. open. So that was a really a great, it's a great resource for me. Great. Well, I appreciate that. Well, Jesse, I want to thank you for your time. We certainly will have you on in that six month time period when you've formulated a plan and are ready to to go for it. And um, then we'll we'll check in with you, you know, in a year or so when you've finished it out and see see how see how how it went. And I may replay some of these clips from this episode <laughs> in, in the future, and we'll see if you lived up to what you said. Right? That's right. Well, I, look, I appreciate it. I know this is. Um... It's it's it is daunting, but I also know that you know this is this is all great work that that we do in this community, and I appreciate I appreciate the forum. And I, you know, if, if anybody is is listening and, and having the same kind of that same kind of pucker moment, thinking, "Oh God, I have to do this," it, it's going to be okay. And I and I know that having having friends in the community um, makes all the difference. So I, I appreciate uh, you know you and, and Todd and, and the work that everybody out there does to help um, other developers kind of get their get their feet right and facing true north. So I appreciate that. And I look forward to sharing the results with everybody as we, we go down this road. So thanks again, Jeremy, for having me on. Thank you, Jesse. And we'll talk to you later. Outstanding. Thanks. Bye-bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. I want to thank Jesse Roberts for sitting with me and laying it all out there as he talks about the need to rebuild his apps. He's got some great insight, insight he's finely tuned over these past few years. We'll wish him luck on his rebuild and we'll be sure and check in again. If you're so inclined, we would really appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Your thoughts let us know how things are going and honestly, the more reviews we get, the higher in ranking we are. Watch out TED Talk Podcasts. Feel free to also reach out at support at geistinteractive.com for questions or comments or show ideas. And remember, the Context Podcast is king.